could be wrong. Anyway, there's a lot to get to. Let's get to it. First, we're going to start in Nova Scotia. Holy smokeronies, over 100 centimeters of snow, I think, in Nova Scotia the other day, yesterday. We had a kitchen table talk yesterday. Noel's internet, he was cooking away. It was fine. There was no problem there. And it's it was interesting because he said, oh, yeah, there's a massive snowstorm. I had no idea there was a massive snowstorm. He said, yeah, it's just it's coming down in sheets. Like, it's unbelievable out there. And unbelievable. Like, this is somebody's driveway. And the driveway, is the, the snow drift is twice the size of him, right? Roughly, roughly. Here's another one. This is a woman trying to dig out. East Coast Drone Man says, you know, it's a bad or good storm in Nova Scotia when you have to do this to find your car. This is my sister, Sydney River Cape, my sister in Sydney River, Cape Breton, digging through about a hundred plus centimeters of snow to find her car. <laughs> so yeah. Hey. She found it. There it is. There it is. I think we're almost at the hood. <laughs> There you go. So massive snowstorm. So stay safe, Newfoundland, and make sure you take lots of breaks for show, snow shoveling, et cetera, et cetera. Don't, don't hurt yourself. Take it easy, right? Take a break. Um, this I thought was absolutely hilarious. Jagmeet Singh puts out this meme, begging, begging to be meme, memed into oblivion. Uh, I'm waiting for Ferryman Toll's version, et cetera, et cetera. But the NDP put this tweet out and they say, a prime minister for you, not for Galen Weston. What? While liberals and conservatives stay silent on corporate greed and accepting donations from grocery CEOs, Jagmeet Singh is fighting back and he's got this meme, right? A, a prime minister for you, not Galen Weston. And I just changed it because I think that I think that it looks ridiculous. I think it's really funny because Jagmeet Singh is not going to be the prime minister. That's not that's not in the cards, but he's swinging for the fences, right? And I said a prime minister for illegals, not for Canadians, right? So I think that that's I think that's more accurate. I think that's right? A little bit more on the nose. Here is the NDP again. NDP MP Lisa Marie Barron has tabled a bill to reform our electoral system and strengthen your vote. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't believe there anything that these people will do to our electoral system will, will improve the, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of fraud in our electoral systems. And I don't think that anything these people will do, including expanding mail-in balloting, allowing three days for uh, voting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which is proposed in this bill, is going to help. It will it will make it worse. It will make the ability to cheat even worse. So yeah, if you swinging for the fences or starting the public conversation about Prime Minister Jagmeet Singh, right? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Because people just aren't going to do that. It would be like Premier Kathleen Wynne. People just aren't going to vote for her. But if the election is rigged, does it matter, right? If they can just tell a plausible story, sometimes that's what I think that they're doing. They're injecting a plausible story. Uh, National Post, let's talk about homelessness, Ukraine, and then we'll jump to the U.S., the U.S. Um, border crisis. National Post is reporting Canadian or Canada's Ukrainian refugee crisis is about to get much worse, General Rick Hiller says at the National Post. So here's just a little bit of color on this. Already some displaced families that came to Canada are living in tents and another 90,000 people are expected in the next 60 days. This is a conversation or a conversation series by Donna Kennedy Glands, a writer and former Alberta cabinet minister, featuring newsmakers and intriguing personalities. So February 24th marks the second anniversary of Russia's illegal invasion of Ukraine. General Hillier is responsible for, is irrepressible, 
even in quasi-retirement, is sounding the alarm on Canada's lack of preparedness to absorb yet more displaced Ukrainians. He's particularly galled by stories of newcomers, at-risk families we invited to our community, living in tents in downtown Toronto. It will likely only get worse. The feds anticipate 90,000 newcomers from Ukraine will land in Canada in the next two months. 90,000? We've not had a national vision, a national strategy, a national effort to make this the Ukrainian refugee response happened. But we can do this. We've done it before, Hillier says. Right, sure. His marching orders to the feds, draw up a logistical plan for Ukrainian refugees in consultation with provinces and cities and make sure it's realistic. Canada has a housing crisis and our homeless shelters are filled to overflowing. We need better ideas. So he wants Ukrainian tent cities put all across Canada. That's the plan. <laughs> Great job, General Hillier. Um, I, I think fundamentally, a good plan would to be, be to say... Our border is closed. We're real sorry about all that war stuff. We probably shouldn't have sent you all that money because we never really thought you could win in the first place. <laughs> Negotiate peace for crying out loud. Um, win against Russia? What were you thinking, you fools? Um, and, and bringing them here, bringing the Ukrainians here for what? A tent in February in, in downtown Toronto? You know, it's not much, but there's the porta potty over there. <laughs> when we said it wasn't much, we really meant it. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's something that is embarrassing on an international scale. And the fact that people aren't responding to that, to, to realize this. I've heard stories of people of Ukrainian heritage going back home. It's a war-torn country. They're like, you know what? Ukraine's better than this place. <laughs> Let's get out of here, right? This, this place is just demoralizing. <laughs> Blacklocks reporter says housing minister Sean Frazier um, homeless relief program includes $2.8 million in fees to consultants on homelessness. Payouts include talent fees for workshops on leadership. So it sounds just like the arrive scam stuff, like these people are skimming consulting fees off the top of homeless programs, and they don't feel the, the least bit bad about it that all they're doing is working on leadership workshops, right? That's pretty crazy stuff, right? Here's... Um, just one more to give an idea of how many people are coming into Canada to give to prime us for the southern border stuff. Okay, here's a I think it's global news. Yeah, global national reporting. Here we go. Ronava is fresh off a flight from Mexico City, ready to start a new life in Canada. The petrochemical engineer traveled on a tourist visa, but as soon as he landed at Montreal's Trudeau Airport, he requested refugee status. He says there's a lot of... Did you see the watch on his... Or the wrist on his... The watch on his wrist? Hold on a second. Look at that thing. Yes, I need... To, where did you get that watch? Let's talk about the refugee status, please. Requested refugee status. He says there's a lot of talk in Mexico about how supportive Canada is to refugees, though he admits he didn't have much information about what the process entails. I didn't know if I was going to be deported. I didn't know if what was going to happen. He's nervous, he says. Nava is one of thousands of Mexicans who are coming to Quebec to claim refugee status. In 2023, Quebec processed more than 25,000 asylum claims at the airport, more than double the amount of 2022. In general, asylum requests in Quebec have exploded in the past two years. In 2021, Quebec received a total of just over 10,000 requests, compared to more than 
89,000 in 2023. In 2021, there were more than 1,300 requests from Mexican citizens. In 2023, the government received more than 15,000 requests. A high number of people with Haitian and Colombian citizenship also requested refugee status in the province. Those who land at Trudeau Airport and have nowhere to stay are sent here. The Regional Program for Settlement and Integration of Asylum Seekers, known as PRIDA. Lisbeth Valencia says it has been harder than she thought. Mucho, mucho muy difícil. A few blocks away from PRIDA's shelter is the Welcome Collective. They say they've seen an increase of asylum seekers like Nava and Valencia coming through the airport. A major issue is that their work permits don't come right away, pushing many to request financial assistance. For the first 15 days of 2024, Quebec's Labour Ministry says there have been nearly 10,000 requests. That's an average of 656 per day. An estimated 30% come from asylum seekers. Right? So just understand what we're talking about. And now let's talk about the U.S. southern border. Here's Governor Abbott talking about what's happening at the southern border in Texas. I'll just give him the first minute. It's a four-minute speech. Or we'll listen as long as it makes sense. But we're not going to listen to the whole thing. Here we go. Joe Biden has completely abdicated and abandoned his responsibility to enforce the laws of the United States. I have used a clause in the Constitution that empowers states to defend themselves. It's Article 1, Section 10. Clause 3 of the United States Constitution, where a state can defend itself and its citizens to protect their safety from the imminent danger that we are facing and from an invasion of millions of people coming from across the globe into our country who are unaccountable whatsoever. And I applaud and thank the, the members of the governors who are with us here today. We are here with our fellow governors today, standing with you and many governors that are not. Because every state in our country now is a border state because of what we're happening. When you think about the amount of fentanyl and trafficking that's coming, they're coming to every state in the country. And every fentanyl, human trafficking, they're coming to every state in the country, he says. I, I don't think that they're far off. They are trying to stop crime. Here is Rand Paul, and I've got a video from Rand Paul later in the series, but he says, amazing, this predictable revelation is only a week old, and the swamp's new border security bill gives Ukraine 60 billion, with a B, more, from the squandering of your money to the fake border reforms. It's safe to declare this bill as anti-American. I'm a no. Officials stole $40 million meant to buy arms for the war with Russia, Ukraine says. So this was an AP story I reported on, you know, last week when it came out or whatever, week and a half maybe. Tommy says, I can't believe this is the border security bill that's been negotiated. This bill destroys American sovereignty. It will weaken immigration laws for decades and handcuff the next president that actually wants to secure our borders and defend our country. This bill has been crafted to solidify the invasion of illegals into the United States of America. I'm an immovable no. So they're, they're trying to flip votes like House of Cards. Greg says, not only does this bill codify 1.5 million illegal border crossings into law, but the border emergency that automatically gets implemented at 5,000 5, crossings per day in a week can be overturned by Joe Biden. And in case 1.5 million illegals isn't enough, it also locks in green card giveaways through 2030. So we had 656 contacts per day for job requests, right? And now they're, they're but not, we, we had 15,000 requests for, um, 
or coming into the country uh, at one point. And that was for the whole year. Imagine it being in a single day, right? Like these guys are doing that. Or imagine that being three days of border crossings rather than an entire year, right? And that's what we're talking about at the southern border. And these governors, I mean, I think that this is an obvious problem. Like this is not like you could argue it. It is a very clear, blatant, glaring violation of law and order and good sense and security and the intention of having borders for the United States and being able to secure those borders. There are, there are so many arguments that it seems glaringly obvious, right? I think I've underlined that a few times. And so I can't believe that it's taken this much to get this much action from the, from the governors of the states. All of that said, Canada has all of those problems already enshrined into law. And what's what's happening? People are flying to Canada. If the United States closes the border, people will fly. There will be charter planes from Mexico to bring illegal people into the country daily. Because and and our contacts will go up. And who knows? They won't even. They probably won't even um, declare themselves to the customs. They'll just walk on. You know, see you later. You know, I'm at an airport and I'm just going to walk into the community and we'll figure it out from there. Um, so. I think big problems on the horizon unless we can get a, a handle on this. And at the same time as the United States, like if we're not working in tandem to shut the, our border at the same time they do, then we are in for a world of hurt, world of hurt. And it's not, it's not good. Steve says, let me be clear. The Senate border bill will not receive a vote in the house. Here's what the people pushing for this deal aren't telling you. It accepts 5,000 illegal immigrants a day and gives automatic work permits to asylum recipients, a magnet for more illegal immigration. Yeah. And the illegal, the illegal immigrants or the refugee claimants or whatever you want to call them here, they can't even get work permits. So they have to rely on welfare, right? So they, they start taking money out of the system right away, right away. Mike Lee says, fun fact, the U.S. Marine Corps budget in fiscal year 23 was $53.8 billion. This bill would give Ukraine more than $60 billion. 60 billion. Here's Rand Paul, Voodoo Economics. He's saying this is not financially viable. This is not responsible. It's just nine seconds. Here we go. The U.S. is on an unsustainable fiscal path. The U.S. federal government's on an unsustainable fiscal path. And that just means that the debt is growing faster than the economy. Yes. Obviously, yes. Obviously. Um, Adam says, this is happening in Australia. I'll come back to this in just a second after we've talked about what's going on in Canada. They, uh, Maxime Bernier says, diversity is our strength, tweeted Liberal MP for Fort McMurray. Could could Lake Lila Goodrich um, yesterday? Oh, it's uh, McMurray Cold Lake. Sorry. Uh, Lila Goodrich yesterday repeating Trudeau's slogan. That's not a Liberal MP. She's a CPC MP. There's no difference between the woke liberals and the fake conservatives. So she says, diversity is our strength. It was a pleasure to speak at today's opening of the Multicultural Ex- Expo. My mini-me was excited to join in the celebrations and welcome everyone to this wonderful event. And here is one more. Pierre Polyev says, the first plank of our common sense conservative plan to, is to hit the brakes on car theft. So they're not doing anything. They want to, they want to stop the crime of car theft. They don't want to do anything about uh, immigration. And people, I mean, some people are upset. He's got 1.5 thousand likes and 271 comments, right? Anti-woke Canadian says, how about we stop importing these criminals, right? Uh, I said, I said, illegal immigration is a bigger problem, but I only have 37 likes, right? Um, Brittany says, <laughs> no, we'll carry on. Um, but it's, it's very interesting that there are pushbacks on this whole idea of 
immigration because Canadians didn't used to feel comfortable pushing back. I'll play, I'll play the first minute of this uh, video. Here you go. Today, many people will wake up and one of the first things they'll do is look out the window, not to check the weather, but to check if their car is still there. This should not be normal for Canada. After eight years of Justin Trudeau, car thefts are up 300% in Toronto and 100% in Montreal and Ottawa. Justin Trudeau actually admitted this in a press release he put out last week. Cars have literally been stolen from people's driveways in front of their homes where they are supposed to feel safe. Some victims have been held at gunpoint in parking lots in broad daylight. Others have had criminals break into their homes to steal their keys and drive away with their cars. Trudeau's catch and release bill, C-75, that allows repeat offenders to get bail often within hours of their arrest and to reoffend multiple times in the same day, leave police powerless to stop career car thieves. And even after they are convicted, Trudeau's bill, C-5. So what happens when you arrive in Canada from Mexico and you think to yourself, great, I'm here ready to start a new life and then you can't get any work? Right? You can't get a work permit. You don't really speak the language anyway. So what do you do? What do you do? Right? You find a gang of people. I've seen movies about this, right? And you, and you team up to steal cars together, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or something, right? Maybe B&Es, maybe whatever you can to get by because going to McDonald's is still a $20 endeavor, right? Like if you want lunch. Um, wild stuff. In Australia, it's not quite the same. I mean, all of the same things are happening, but this is this didn't really fit anywhere else. Adam says, if you're in Australia, or if you're an Australian Israeli, and if you lost a loved one on October 7th, Australia will give you $75,000. He says, are you out of your freaking mind? <laughs> the prime minister of Australia. Um, how outrageous is this and how dehumanizing is it for the Palestinian victims of Israeli genocide who don't get a mention in this preposterous scheme? Yeah, so pretty wild stuff, right? Like, the whole world's gone mad and it seems to be going mad everywhere. And we're all supposed to carry on and not question any of these lunatics shutting down our energy, shutting down our farming, teaching children that they can change their sex, right? Like we're not supposed to question any of it, even though everything seems to be exploding. Like nothing seems to be running well. It would, it's like driving down the, like I'm, <laughs> I'm not a car guy. I, I liked building computers. I thought it was kind of fun to build computers and I've fried my fair share of motherboards like one. So, you know, you learn hard lessons sometimes and sometimes it costs you a motherboard. Fair, right? But cars intimidated me for whatever reason because they, they were complicated in the 90s and my parents, my dad was a commuter and my mom said, don't touch the car. <laughs> so, you know, if you break something on the car, that's a, that's a real issue. And I didn't have the money to buy my own car. Maybe I did, but I didn't, it wasn't something that I was like comfortable doing, right? And so tinkering, tinkering is something I'm comfortable with on computers. But it's like driving down the road. <laughs> There's a long way to get here. Driving down the road with somebody who uh, hears a, a really bad clunk in the engine. And instead of like stopping or pulling over or anything like that, just turns the radio up and you're like, yeah, we'll, we'll keep going. Everything seems fine. It's like, well, there's a huge problem that we're just totally ignoring. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. There's a long way to get there. Moving on, let's go to the next topic. Um, Dan McTeague, I, I'm not a car guy, what can I say? Dan McTeague is talking about carbon. He's responding to Mickey and Mickey says, yeah, Mickey, not Mikey. Um, it's supposed to replace other taxes. So yesterday I showed you Elon Musk was saying carbon tax. Carbon tax is the way to fix um, uh, the 
climate change issue. That's the obvious way to do it. It's the best mechanism. Uh, you know, put a price on carbon, CO2, and bingo, bingo, bongo, you've got your solution, basically is the Elon Musk plan. And I listened I listened to his presentation on this at a TED 2013 or something like that, uh, 2014 maybe. And so all of the liberals were trying to dunk on the conservatives by saying, hey, like Elon Musk agrees with us. And a really important part of Elon Musk's plan was that it actually not be that it actually be revenue neutral. And here's Mickey saying that. It's supposed to replace the other taxes in Elon Musk's proposal. I think he failed to understand the corruption in the system. The carbon tax is another tax. It doesn't replace the tax. It's just more tax. That's where his plan fails, right? And McTeague says, that's the idea in theory. The practical reality is that it's a highly inflationary inflationary and hits products or which demand is inelastic, meaning like even if it's, twice what it is now, there, the demand is going to still be there because there's nothing else that does what that does. Anyway, um, the, that's, that's alternatives are less re- reliable and more expensive, right? Even at double for gas, I'd rather have the gas than a windmill, right? Like, or solar power. Um, here is what's going on with um, coal. And Persephone says, Canada has a dirty secret. While Trudeau tells citizens they must pay climate taxes to save the planet and coal cannot be imported, we are mining, Canada is mining our hearts out, and we quadrupled exports of the dirtiest coal to China in 2023. We are lying. We are being lied to. And yeah, that's very interesting. Here's Chev TV. And he says, Canada's dirty secret is just south of the NDP Vancouver where the largest coal export terminal in North America sends cheap, low-grade U.S. coal sent on miles-long rail cars spewing coal dust in Canada to China to burn, but you must buy a heat pump, right? Pretty wild stuff. And, you know, these these people, well, here's Danielle Smith explaining what their electricity regulations are going to do and how problematic that is for Alberta. Here we go. What exactly is your stance against Ottawa? Is this defying Ottawa's regulations? Yes. I mean, if they come through with the clean electricity regs, they will be mandating that we have to have essentially an emissions-free power grid by 2035. That means no one will build natural gas. We don't have a regulatory framework to build nuclear. No one will build nuclear. We don't have the resources to build hydro. No one will build hydro. So if we do not act, we will end up with instability in our grid. We will either not be able to grow as a province or we will end up with uh, with brownouts and blackouts. That's, that's the pathway that the federal government is giving us. And I've just said no. No, that works. That's great. No, you know, it's very uh, empowering, right? You just have to say no. Maybe she should put out a a primer for the other premiers, right? Just say no with Danielle Smith. Um, The Telegraph says the West's humiliating electric car climb down has begun. I've been saying for months, EVs aren't going to happen. They're not practical. They don't even serve. They can't serve as a commuter car. They're not good as a winter car. They're not good in cold temperatures at all. And so it's not practical to replace the all of the cars on the road with electric cars because you can't use them most of the time. And sometimes they blow up, right? Like they just explode. And that's not good, right? And so... Hertz and other rental companies are getting out of electric cars and we're seeing lots and lots of people um, not buy them. And so there's a lot of inventory 
just stacking up in dealerships and nobody can sell them. So that's interesting. And so the Telegraph is noticing this in the UK and they say that, you know, the West humiliating electric car climb down. The the article was more robust. I read it yesterday, but it's paywalled today. So I'm not going to get into it. But fundamentally, all of the factors that I mentioned that it's not practical and nobody wants to buy those damn cars are contributing to manufacturers not making them anymore. Because when you spend a lot of money to make a car that you hope you can sell for a lot more money and you can't sell them at all, that's just a bill, right? Like that, you've just made these cars that nobody wants and sorry, you just gotta eat that cost, sorry. And I mean, they can, they're big enough companies that they can probably eat that cost. But if that's all the products that they can sell, and that's it. And I mean, if it's government mandated, maybe, but even then I have a feeling that people hopefully will be ingenious enough to get to and produce products that get around these these bands. Have you seen these scooters, these electric scooter things? So they're really robust. They've got really meaty wheels. It looks like you could ride them in the wintertime. And I have seen people riding them around like January, right? So not, not after a snow or anything like that, but you know, they've got a backpack on and they've got a big coat and a helmet and stuff. But the scooters are electric. They go 20, 25 kilometers an hour and people boot around like, going to friends' houses and things like that. And I have a feeling that instead of cars, you're going to be given a scooter. You know what I'm saying? Like go to your grocery shopping on this scooter here. And like, sure, you can get to the grocery store in your neighborhood in 15 minutes or less. You know, no problem. There's your scooter, right? Have you seen this? It's all over Guelph. People are doing it. And because they believe that car emissions are bad, because they've ascribed to this brainwashing because it's false, they will do, they will inconvenience themselves. Like even motorcycles. I have a friend who, who rides motorcycles, not to get distracted. He used to ride motorcycles and he loved it. And I thought to myself, maybe I should try riding a motorcycle. And then I went out on a bike ride and I thought to myself, if I was going a lot faster, I would just be concerned I was going to fall off and break my elbow or something. Like I am not, I, if I'm driving down the road at hundred kilometers an hour, I want to be able to eat an ice cream and change a CD, which you don't have to do anymore, but you understand my meaning. Um, at the same time, right, while being safe on the road, rather than holding on for dear life. Hello, everyone. Thanks very much for watching. This is just a short version of a longer show. If you'd like to get the whole show, you can go over to canadapoly.com and sign up for a subscription. Just look in the drop down tab for shop and donate and look for subscriptions and you'll get immediate access to the full show. Love to see you. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful.